السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر أشهد أن Dear brothers and sisters, one of the features 
in the Holy Quran is that it is filled with aqsam, filled with oaths. Allah swears by multiple things in creation. And the purpose of these oaths is to emphasize the message being delivered and to point out the significance of the object of the oath. وَالتِّينِ وَالزَّيْتُونَ وَالْقُورِ سِينِينَ قَافْ وَالْقُرْآنِ الْمَجِيدِ وَالْلَيْلِ إِذَا يَقْشَى وَالسَّمَاءِ ذَاتِ الْبُرُوجِ There are so many aqsam, so many oaths within the Qur'an. And in one oath, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala swore by time itself. In the chapter known as Al-Asr, Allah Jalla wa'ala swore by time itself. Wal-Asr, inna al-insana lafi khusr. And the great hadith scholar, Al-Imam Al-Tabarani, he records in his Al-Mu'jam Al-Awsat with a sound Sahih chain that when the companions of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam would meet with one another, they would not part ways until one of them recited to the other Suratul Asr. That was one of the ways they would part ways. So they would come together with the greeting of Assalamu Alaikum and they would part ways with Wal Asr. Inna al insana lafi khusr illa alladheena amanu wa amilu salihati wa tawasaw bil haqqi wa tawasaw bil sabr. The great Imam al-Shafi'i rahimahullah ta'ala, he says about this short chapter of the Qur'an, Surah Al-Asr, لَوْ مَا أَنزَلَ اللَّهُ تَعَالَىٰ عَلَىٰ خَلْقِهِ حُجَّةً إِلَّا هَذِهِ السُورَةً لَكَفَتْهُمْ Had Allah not revealed any chapter of the Qur'an as a hujjah against humanity except this one chapter, it would have been enough. Surah Al-Asr, he's saying, is alone sufficient as a chapter of the Qur'an to establish the proof against humanity. Elsewhere in the Qur'an, in a chapter where Allah swears by the, the mid-morning, Surah Al-Duha, Wal-Duha, in that chapter Allah Ta'ala says, وَأَمَّا بِنِعْمَةِ رَبِّكَ فَحَدِّثْ As for the blessings of your Lord, the graces of your Lord, speak about them. Talk about the blessings of Allah Ta'ala. And out of the many blessings we can talk about, we should talk about time, the blessing of time itself. We are encouraged by Allah Ta'ala to speak about the blessings He has given us, and that is to feel more gratitude for what we have been given, and also to reflect on whether or not we're using that blessing as we should be. The great scholar, the Shaykh Abdul Fattah Abu Ghudda, Rahimahullah Ta'ala, he mentions in a very beautiful book he wrote, titled, Qimatul Zaman Inda Al-Ulama, The Value of Time, according to the scholars. He writes in the very beginning of this beautiful book, time is the substance of life itself. It is the sphere in which man exists. It is the citadel of his spirit, husnu ruhihi. And it is his subsistence and means by which he benefits himself 
and benefits others. Time is one of the greatest blessings and like many blessings, it is a blessing that gets squandered and wasted. There are numerous verses in the Qur'an where Allah Ta'ala reminds us of His favors. And that includes verses where He reminds us of the favor of time itself. In one verse, Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala mentions the blessing of Taskhir, the blessing of Him subjugating things in creation to our use subjugating things in this world so that we can live and thrive in this dunya. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in Surah Ibrahim, وَسَخَّرَ لَكُمُ الشَّمْسَ وَالْقَمَرَ دَائِبَيْنَ وَسَخَّرَ لَكُمُ اللَّيْلَ وَالنَّهَارَ And He subjected to you the sun and the moon, both continuously pursuing their courses. And He subjected to you the night and the day. Allah has subjected the night and the day for us to use them in ways that are pleasing to Him and that fulfill our purpose in this dunya. Elsewhere in the Qur'an, we find Allah addressing the disbelievers, reprimanding them for wasting their lives, wasting their time, spending their lives in a state of disbelief, a state of denial, of kufr, of heedlessness, of ghafla, of being in denial of their purpose of existence. And in one such verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions the state of the people in hell who will lament their state. And Allah reminds them about the opportunities they had in this life. Allah jalla wa'ala says, وَهُمْ يَسْتَصْرِخُونَ فِيهَا رَبَّنَا أَخْرِجْنَا نَعْمَلْ صَالِحًا غَيْلَ الَّذِي كُنَّا نَعْمَلْ They will scream in the flames of hell, saying, O oh our Lord, let us out, and we will act righteously, differently from how we used to behave. Allah Ta'ala responds, أَوَلَمْ نُعَمِّرْكُمْ مَا يَتَذَكَّرُ فِيهِ مَا تَذَكَّرُ وَجَاءَكُمُ النَّذِيرُ Allah responds, Did we not give you a life long enough in which anyone who wanted to understand and reflect would have understood? Have we not given you a long enough time to do that? And the warner came to you? So taste, taste the flames of hell. The evildoers will not have any helper whatsoever. النذير, the warner came to you. What do you think when you hear about this warner? We know that Rasulullah is Al-Bashir, the giver of glad tidings. And he is Al-Nadhir, the bringer of warning. But the warner here is actually something else. Ibn Abbas tells us that this part of the verse, the warner came to you, it means the warner of gray hair. That is the nadir, that is the warner. Allah is reminding them through this rhetorical question 
Did you not have enough time in the world to ponder, to reflect, if you really wanted to seek your purpose, but you wasted your time? The water came, but you ignored it. Dear brothers and sisters, time is the equalizer and it eliminates all of our excuses. Imam al-Bukhari, he records in his Sahih from Abu Hurairah that the Prophet said that Allah will not accept the excuse of any person whose instant of death Allah has delayed until 60 years of age. This means that if Allah enables any of us to live to 60 and beyond, there is no excuse whatsoever. That is enough time to get things right. That is enough time. Allah has removed the excuses for a person who has lived to 60 and beyond. Dear brothers and sisters, we see these verses of the Qur'an reminding us of the blessing of time, reminding us of how Allah has subjected the sun and the moon and the night and the day time for our use. And He has reminded us about how time is wasted. There are metaphors in the Qur'an and oaths in the Qur'an all going back to the centrality of time and the blessing of time. And it is important for us as Muslims to be people of reflection, who reflect on the metaphors around them in the world and derive signs from what's going on around us. We have the narration from one of the great early Imams in the generation after the Sahaba, from the generation of the Tabi'un, and Imam al Hassan al Basri. Rahimahullah. He was one such person who would reflect on the world around him and derive lessons and metaphors from daily life. And it's mentioned that one time an Imam Hassan al-Basri was out walking in the marketplace in Baghdad. And he saw a man who was selling ice. Maybe you're wondering how they could sell ice back then. But it was possible to get ice from the mountaintops all the way to the cities very carefully. But because there's no refrigeration, selling the ice is a very time-sensitive endeavor. So if your job in that time was to sell ice, you're constantly on the clock. Time is absolutely precious. You have to sell your ice before it all melts away. So one time in Hassan al-Basri rahimahullah was walking through the market in Baghdad and he saw this man selling ice and he was shouting, Ya ayyuhan nas, O people, have mercy on the one whose capital is melting away, whose ratsul mal is melting away. And so Al-Hassan al-Basri sees this and starts reflecting on the, the lesson contained in it. And it occurred to him that just as the ice maker would lose money if his capital melts away, we likewise lose our capital if it melts away, if our time melts away and we don't use it properly. And so in the business of life, this tijara, our capital will melt away if we do not use it and if we waste our time. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reminds us of this inevitable loss when He says, وَالْعَصْرُ إِنَّ الْإِنسَانَ لَفِي خُسْرِ by time itself, 
mankind is at loss unless they have those qualities of iman, of righteous actions, of encouraging people to truth and patience. In the famous hadith, the Prophet ﷺ tells us to take advantage of time. He says, take advantage of five things. Five things before five things. Take advantage of your youth before you become old. Take advantage of your health before you become sick. Take advantage of your wealth before you become poor. And take advantage of your free time before you become preoccupied. And take advantage of your life before your death. This beautiful hadith teaches us two very important principles. We understand from this hadith how the Prophet ﷺ approached time management. Number one, we see from this the sense of urgency we should have in our life. And number two, how we should express gratitude and thanks for the blessings that Allah has given us. The companions, the tabi'oon from the second generation, the atba' tabi'een from the third generation, and the ulama and the sulaha and the awliya of all the generations afterwards, they knew the value of time. Imam al-Shafi'i famously said, Time is like a sword. If you don't cut it, it will cut you. Which means, if you don't use that sword of time properly, it will work against you. If you don't use it, it's going to use you. This means you have to know how to manage your time and respect your time and respect the time of others. And you have to be aware of how it can work against you. When someone simply drifts along and goes with the flow without any clear focus or plan, you see it's much easier for that person to be tempted to sin. It's much easier for a person to fall under haram when it's in their free time versus when they have a schedule, when they have things going on, when they have a purpose and a plan and focus in their life. One of the major reasons you see for petty crime and delinquent behavior among young people is simply boredom. Go to any small town in America and a lot of the crime is done by people who are just bored because they have a lot of time on their hands and they're not putting it to good use. When a person has no goal, no mission, no life pur purpose, no project, they waste their life away. Young people will waste their life away on games or social media. People who are jobless will waste their days away watching TV or maybe even getting involved in substance abuse. Elderly retirees without purpose may spend their days just watching TV and gossiping online. There has to be purpose. And we see in our Islamic history from the earliest days until today, how our great scholars and our great saintly figures were examples of time management. Time management. And this should come as no surprise because the Prophet ﷺ says, The scholars are the heirs of the Prophet. Take for example the great Imam al-Nawawi, rahimahullah ta'ala. At the age of 18, his father took him from his village of Nawa to the city of Damascus to study. 
18 years of age. And there in Damascus studying, he mastered the Shafi'i school of jurisprudence and memorized its major text. In his biography, it's mentioned that he used to have 12 study sessions every single day with his teachers. This included explanations, shuruhat, and tahqiqat, verifications, writing hawashi, commentaries, and commentaries, explanations on difficult things, dabtul asma'i wal lughat, all sorts of scholarly intricate work taking place over 12 study sessions. And that doesn't even include his muraja'ah, his review. And it doesn't include his memorization. And it doesn't include his time for ibadah, his time for reading Qur'an, his time for teaching fellow students. Allah Ta'ala clearly blessed Imam al-Nawi in his time, such that one of the great scholars said, Allah gave Imam al-Nawi the ability to complete in one day what it would take everyone else two days to accomplish, and gave him in one year what it would take others two years to accomplish. When would he eat? When would he sleep? When would he do other devotions? Undoubtedly Allah blessed his time, gave him a barakah unlike many other people. But he realized he had a life purpose, number one. And number two, he managed his time. We can go back further in our history to Imam Ibn Jarir al-Tabari rahimahullah ta'ala, the Imam of the Mufassireen and the Muhaddithin and the Muwarrikhin, the scholar of scholars among those of tafsir and hadith sciences. Imam al-Tabari was a sign of Allah in creation. Imam Yaqut al-Hamawi records in Mu'jam al-Udaba that Imam al-Tabari once said to his companions, what do you think of me writing a commentary on the Qur'an, a tafsir? And they said, how long will it be? He said, it will be 30,000 pages. His companion said, people will die before they get a chance to finish reading it. What are you thinking? So he said, okay, I'll make it into 3,000 pages. And then he asked them, what do you think about me writing a book of history? Now he's in Baghdad. Does he mean a history of Baghdad? No. He means a history of humanity, all of recorded history, from the time of Adam السلام, until his time. He said, what do you think about me writing a book of history? They said, how long will it be? And he said, 30,000 pages. They said the same thing they said about his tafsir. People will die before they get a chance to read it. And then he says, okay. To Allah we belong and to Him we return. The aspirations have died. And so he wrote it as 3,000. But when you count all of the books that Imam al-Tabari wrote in his life, you see that he wrote a total of 358,000 pages. This is 40 pages a day for the duration of his scholarly life. Dear brothers and sisters, there are countless examples of how these great Imams managed their time. And that's because they had a sense of purpose. Going back to that great Imam, Imam Hassan al-Basri, 
he addressed humanity and he says, Ya ibn Adam, innama anta ayyam. O son of Adam, you are just a number of days. That's all we are. We're just a number of days. It's easy to think that you'll live forever when you're in your teens or twenties. But time catches up. It is the inevitable reality. We are just a number of days left in this world. So we need to reconsider the value of time and to make an objective assessment of how we are spending our time and take advantage of the time we have before it is too late. May Allah make us aware of our time and the blessings contained in it. And may He make us people who have purpose. And those who have not found their purpose, may Allah give them that purpose and that resolve so that time is managed for what is pleasing to Him. Ameen. Walhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Hamdan kathiran tayyiban mubarakan fi kama yuhibbu rabbuna wa yarda. والصلاة والسلام الأتمان الأكملان المتلازمان على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم وبعد. Dear brothers and sisters, in the first khutbah, we mentioned the hadith of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم, who mentioned اختنم خمسا قبل خمس. Take advantage of five things before five. One of which he said, your free time before you are preoccupied. We said that this hadith gives us two principles for understanding how the Prophet ﷺ approached time management. Number one, there is the sense of urgency, of taking advantage of something before it runs out. And number two, there is expressing thanks for the blessing that Allah has given us. The Messenger of Allah has linked time management and other blessings to shukr, to gratitude. And Allah has told us very clearly in the Quran what we have to do if we want to have an increase in those blessings. He says, وَلَا إِن شَكَرْتُمْ لَأَزِيدَنَّكُمْ if you are thankful, I will most certainly increase you. One of the ways we can show gratitude for blessings, besides just using our tongue for Alhamdulillah, is to use the very blessings He has given us for their proper purpose for which they were intended. What this means, dear brothers and sisters, is that our time, which is a ni'mah, a blessing, is given barakah, blessings, and increase when we use it for what it was intended. This means that if you want more barakah in your time, be thankful for the time you have. And one of the ways you're thankful for the time you have is to use it properly. And by using it properly, that itself is a form of shukr for which you receive an increase. Thereby you have more barakah in your time. When we study the life of the Prophet ﷺ, we see when focusing specifically on his life routines, how meticulous he was in structuring his days and his nights and prioritizing different tasks. And from those lessons in the seerah, 
we learn from the Prophet ﷺ certain principles of time management. The first one is that we need to strive, we need to work to become early risers. The Prophet ﷺ made a dua, Allahumma barik li ummati fi bukuriha. Oh Allah, bless my ummah in its early mornings. We should aim to make it a habit to prioritize earlier bedtimes when possible in order to wake up earlier and stay awake. It is better to schedule our important tasks in the morning, a time of barakah, especially those things that require mental focus, taking advantage of the barakah in that time. The second principle of prophetic time management is to schedule our day around the five daily prayers. Of course, this is a challenge in this society where we have to schedule our prayers around many other things in our life. But the principle remains. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu, he asked the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, al-a'mali khair? Which actions are best, ya Rasulullah? And he said, as-salatu ala waqtiha. Praying on time. Praying on time is a priority. Because it does not make any sense whatsoever for a Muslim to be strict with time management when it comes to work and study, but lacks with praying on time. Skipping prayers, praying them all at the end of the day, and so on and so forth. And the discipline of taking forced breaks to pray the fard prayers will build discipline and reorient our focus during the day. It will connect our daily activities with our ultimate purpose, which is the worship of Allah Jalla wa'ala. The third principle of prophetic time management is to prioritize and execute consistently. When we look at the life of Rasulullah we see that he would divide his day into three parts. The first part, was the spiritual devotions, that time between him and his Lord Jalla wa'ala. The second part was family time. That was the time he would spend with his wives and children, making himself available to them. And the third part of his day was dedicated to the personal and social affairs. He would make time for his companions, men and women. He would make time for individuals, young and old. He would dedicate specific times for the ladies of the Ummah to receive their religious instruction. This is the time where he would receive the delegations, would attend to conflicts and disputes, and deal with his political matters and matters of leadership. The fourth principle and final principle of prophetic time management, and one that we should all pay very close attention to, is to honor and respect the time of other people. You see, it's not just about managing your time, it's being mindful of the time of other people. The Prophet ﷺ was sensitive to his companions and their needs. Unlike us, his khutbas were short. He would dedicate specific times for teaching. He would delegate, and he taught us to be punctual, to be on time, and to keep our promises. And this means for us that prophetic guidance is to respect 
the time of other people by showing up when we're supposed to show up. Attending meetings when we're supposed to be there. Being there early if possible. Respecting people's time and not wasting it. Dear brothers and sisters, time management requires some level of mujahada, some struggle. It requires sacrifice. And it's not easy. It requires that we take a very critical and objective look at how we spend our time. And if we are honest with ourselves, we will have to admit that we waste our time. Who can stand and say, I do not waste my time ever? No one can really say that. It's a matter of degrees, and there's always room to improve. So how do we improve? Well, one of the ways is to get to the bottom of how we're spending our time, by tracking it. And you can track this in two different ways. I would suggest tracking this online and offline. You track it online by getting an app that will track and run in the background and track how much time you're spending on different applications. And see at the end of a week how much of my time is productive time online, how much of it is unproductive. And when you see it in front of you, with the numbers right in front of your face, you can't hide behind wishy-washy thoughts and wishful thinking. It's presented to you right in your face. I've spent this many hours just doing nothing. That's how we have to assess ourselves, brutally. And then we have to record that time we spend offline. And this is tedious. It means taking an account of how we're spending each and every moment, at least for a week, to get a, a baseline sense of how our days go on average. After that, we see where our time is going. We can compare those results to where we want to be and track what we want to do. Limiting the time-wasting activities. If we are spending a significant amount of time on time-wasting activities, we can allocate specific times for those things at, and avoiding them at other times. We can say no to multitasking. That is a time suck. We can prioritize good sleep, good nutrition, and fitness as a foundation of energy so that we have time to focus on things and the energy to give to those things. And lastly, we make a schedule and we stick to it and we schedule our downtime because we have to be honest with ourselves. We need time off, we need breaks. It's not always blameworthy to just lie on the couch and relax. It doesn't mean that you have to have every single second allocated to a specific task and you have to be on a perpetual schedule for the rest of your life. We have to schedule downtime. We have to schedule times for relaxation. We're not suggesting that every minute has to be allocated to work, but we need to schedule that downtime so that it energizes us for the other times. So if you're going home after a long week and you're resting and just relaxing and watching something, but it's to gain some energy to refocus, that's positive. The danger is that becomes the norm. Where it's no longer about recharging, it becomes the purpose of your day. That's all you're looking forward to at the end of your day. Dear brothers and sisters, we have to take steps right now. When you are young, it feels like you're going to live forever. But time drifts. And by the time you reach 
before you know it, you're 30, you're 36, you're 40, you're 45, you're 50, you're 60, you're 65. Do not put off your goals. Make those things happen right now. It's never too late to manage your time as long as you're still alive. If you manage your time, you will reduce the regrets you may have on the Day of Judgment. And for the believer who enters Jannah, there are no regrets except one. There's only one regret a person will have once they are admitted into Jannah. The Prophet Sallallahu told us, لَيْسَ يَتَحَصَّرُ أَهْلُ الْجَنَّةِ إِلَّا عَلَى سَاعَةٍ مَرَّتْ بِهِمْ لَمْ يَذْكُرُ اللَّهَ فِيهَا He said that the people of Jannah will have no regrets except for those moments in this life that pass by without any remembrance of Allah. Meaning it wasn't going towards their purpose of existence. So may Allah Ta'ala bless your time and my time. May Allah fill our time and your time with barakah, with blessings and good. May He inspire us to live our ultimate purpose. And may He keep us from being time wasters who let life drift by. O oh Allah, those who have not connected to their purpose, connect them to that purpose. O oh Allah, those who do not have an objective, something for which they get up in the morning, energized, give that to them. And revive that within us. And give that to us and put blessings in that for us. Ameen. Rabbana atina fid dunya hasana wa fil akhirati hasana wa qina adab al nar. Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad, Zainil Mursalina wal akhyar. Wa akrama man adlama alayhi laylu wa ashraqa alayhi nahar. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun. Wa salamun ala al mursalina walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen wa kumu ila salatu.